going to go ahead and get started. So today's topic is going to be about setting boundaries. And I just asked the chat to give themselves a grade of what like they would grade themselves for setting boundaries. On a scale of one to 10, if you had to give yourself like a mark, what would you give yourself? Got a set, some sevens, five in the past, five in my life, seven in the past week, eight, six, nine, 10, eight, six. Mm, okay, four. Okay, so some of you guys are definitely gonna, gonna get some value from this call. And even if you have a higher grade, it's still important to know so you can maybe teach other people, okay? Always, when I'm learning, I don't always think about what I need to know, but what I can use to help other people, okay? So setting boundaries. Uh, something that's a little bit uncomfortable to do, a lot of us avoid doing, especially if you're naturally a people pleaser like I was, um, it's something that may be uncomfortable for you. And uh, one of the biggest mistakes, I'll talk about two big mistakes that people make when setting boundaries is the first common mistake is that they think that setting boundaries is being mean or being bad or being harsh. Okay, that's definitely me. I always, because I'm such a people pleaser, I always want everybody to, to love me and I want everybody to feel loved, but I always kind of associated setting boundaries with being mean, right? That you have to be mean to someone to set a boundaries, but nobody wants to be mean, right? Like nobody wants that. So people often associate the, the word yes with being kind and being loving, but then they associate the word no with being firm or being a direct or being unkind or hateful. They associate the word no, being firm or being direct with being unkind or being hateful, right? And it's not really a fair association because we can say yes and have hate in our hearts and we can say no and have love in our hearts. Can you guys think of a time where you said no to somebody with love in your heart? Like maybe when your little kid is trying to touch the stove, right? Maybe when, what are some examples? Do we have an example of when you said no, but it's in a loving way, it's love in your heart? It can happen. So not every no is associated with something negative, but with us, it's like naturally we, we start to think of that. I literally know I say no with love, but still find it hard to say. Yep. My daughter asking for candy in the morning. <laughs> yeah. My example was good, right? When somebody's about to do something that might harm themselves or might not be good for themselves or 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 just might not be good for them, that you're saying no with no with love in your heart. Or maybe you're saying no because you need to do something to take care of yourself and that's why you can't do it, right? When you want to encourage people to learn on their own instead of always doing things for them. Yep, that's another reason, right? So there's that those two misconceptions, right? Like sometimes we, we look at those words and with the wrong mindset. Another common mistake with, with setting boundaries is believing that a boundary is telling the other person what they need to do. It's another very common mistake with boundary setting. Believing that you're telling the other person what they need to do. Setting that setting boundaries is, is really not about telling somebody else what they need to do. It's about changing what is within your realm of control. What do I mean by that? When you try to change another person, 
you get frustrated because like you're trying to change something that you have absolutely no power over when you're trying to change how somebody else acts how somebody else thinks right you have no power over them but you're putting all of this energy to try, try to change them so it's a, a few things number one victimhood because you're basically kind of associating your feelings your emotion with what they're doing wrong so they need to change so that you will feel better right and it also creates a sense of powerlessness because you're trying to control something that you have no power over. You're trying to change something that is not within your realm of control. Another human's actions are not within your realm of control. So you start to develop this feeling of powerlessness, right? Because you're being maybe manipulated or your borders are being crossed or you're feeling uncomfortable, right? Because they're crossing your boundaries. And you can't protect yourself because you think the way to protect yourself is to tell them what to do. So it's a very, it's a very like powerless feeling. Powerlessness is a very deep feeling. I felt it before. The, 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 the time when I felt the most powerless is when I, I got beat up. When I was in high school, I got beat up by a group of girls. Okay. And I felt very powerless because it was like five, I think it was five or six girls against me, one person, right? And I got a black eye, uh, you know, I, I mean, it, it wasn't that bad. I wasn't like hospitalized or anything, but I got a black eye, right? And it wasn't even about the feeling of the pain of like getting punched or getting hit. It was, the, it was that like, didn't really matter. It wasn't the black eye. It wasn't like that. those things. Like it just, it was light work. Like, you know, like getting beat up was really light work. The worst part about the feeling is the feeling of powerlessness, the feeling that you couldn't defend yourself, the feeling that you couldn't protect yourself. That's the feeling that really ate me apart. It wasn't the actual pain of getting beat up. It was the pain of feeling like I couldn't protect myself. Like I, I had no, I had no control, right? That feeling of powerlessness is a very difficult feeling. And it kind of mimics that when your borders are crossed, when you're feeling really uncomfortable with the situation, but you kind of can't change the way somebody else is acting, right? So that's another common mistake with, uh, with um, setting boundaries because you're gonna, and, and you're gonna get to that feeling of powerlessness if you keep trying to change people, right? You, you, when you tell people, you can't talk to me that way. Well, like, of course they can talk to you that way. Like they have the ability, you know what I mean? Like to talk to you that way, or you having to tell them anything where you say you can't, or you have to, or you're yelling, or there's a power struggle between the two of you. Like, of course they physically can do whatever they're, you don't like that they're doing. Right? When you say they can't, but there might be some consequences if they do, but they definitely have that ability. But a real healthy boundary is not about what somebody else is going to do. It's about what you're going to do in response to their behavior, okay? A real boundary is about what you're going to do in response to their behavior. So when someone does something that you don't like, okay? What are your options? Oftentimes we think of 
the, the, the very forceful actions first. We think of forcing them to do what we want them to do or not want them to do. We think of threatening them or punishing them. Think about, you know, you, uh, not just your relationships, think about your kids, think about your family relationships, think about your coworkers, think about people you work with, right? You Sometimes you want to force them. You want to threaten with punishment. We do that a lot with kids, right? That we're going to punish them if they don't do something. Uh, we try to scare people, let them know that something bad will happen if they don't do this. Or we get upset. We scream, we yell, we make a scene. Right? But even if we do all of those things, they still have a choice on whether they're going to do that or not. They still have a choice. And you know what I learned? Um, this week, we had a, we had a meetup. I had a meetup in person in Miami, and we got to talking about motherhood. Obviously, I'm not a mom. You guys know that. But I look up to moms. So we have a lot of moms on, on the team. And uh, the guests were moms, too. And we started talking about, like, how you raise kids. And uh, we were talking about it. And one of the uh, one of the girls said, Lisa, she said that um, kids that get beaten when they were younger typically tend to resort to violence when they have anger as adults. And I thought that was really interesting because, for example, I never got beaten, but my brother did. And my brother definitely has way more like triggering anger issues than I do. I can see like he's the type of person like if he, like road rage, bro, he'll get out of the car and freaking yell in the person's window. And I'm like, oh my God, you know what I mean? Like, but he got beaten a lot. He got beaten a lot as a kid because he was the boy. He got the belt to the booty. He got like, I remember one time he put a pillow in his butt in his butt because he my mom used to go and tell him, go to your dad's closet and choose which belt. So the man used to go to the dad's closet, my dad's closet, and he'd try all the different belts on his leg to see which one would hurt the least, right? He tried the different belts on his leg to see which one would hurt the least and it would still hurt. So he started, he started innovating. My brother's a smart guy. He put a pillow in his jeans. So when one time he started getting beatings, he started laughing in the middle of the beatings and mom knew something was wrong because why the hell is he laughing? And she found a pillow in his butt. And from then moving forward, she actually gave him beatings with his pants down on his bare butt cheek. Bruh, and I remember I used to stand there and like cry on, the, on at the door while he was getting beat. Some of you guys might think that's intense, but listen, we grew up in a different country, okay? They used to whoop your, they used to whoop their kids, right? We grew up in Serbia. We didn't grow up in Canada. When we moved to Canada, my parents were like, "Oh, it's illegal to beat your kids here. That's so weird, <laughs> right?" But in in Serbia, it's normal. My, when my dad was younger, it was normal for your teacher at school to beat beat the kids. Like that was a normal thing. Like that wasn't weird. Like the teacher was like a parent. It was allowed to whoop the kid's ass if they were not doing something right. So we just come from a different time. And, and you know, I'm glad that things are changing nowadays. But uh, she said that. And I thought that was so interesting because they said when their parents were angry, they associate anger with violence because when the parent their parents were angry, they used to get beatings. Same in Portugal. Yeah. Some of y'all got flashbacks right now, <laughs> right? Yep. Coach Mo said, now the parents can't even hit their own kids. Oh, I used to get hit by my first grade teacher. Yep, my mom got hit in, in school in Puerto Rico. I've never heard my parents yell once. Wow. 
So do you, Amelia, do you find that you have very low anger or you suppress a lot of anger? So I thought that was interesting, right? Like, yeah, I feel that I suppress it. See, like it, it makes sense. Like if it's not one thing, it's the other, you know what I mean? But I thought that was really interesting that because I noticed the difference between my, me and my brother, right? Yeah, my mom was a screamer and now I have to unlearn that behavior. Yeah, we typically absorb a lot of what our parents have. But the so the, why I gave that example is just to show you that forcefulness doesn't always work because you can beat your kid, you can force them, you can punish them, you can try to scare them, you can whatever, but they still have the choice to do what you want them to do, what you don't want them to do, right? They still have the choice. So the more anxious that we get when somebody is crossing a boundary or doing something that is making us uncomfortable, the more likely we are going to try and do things that aren't like that are more forceful. We're going to try and be more and more and more forceful, the more uncomfortable we get. But the problem with that is that typically the person that is crossing our boundaries, whether it's our partner or our kids or business partners, it's typically not the, 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 the behavior that they're doing. There's typically a deeper problem with their behavior that may not be related to what is surface level. I want you guys to understand this. The reason that they're acting the way that they're acting is not always related to what you're upset about. There may be a deeper problem and the deeper problem majority of the time, maybe that they're anxious. Maybe it has to do with their self-worth. So if the harder we force, the bigger the problem is going to be or potentially it's going to get more and more triggering for them. Does that make sense? So the more we push on somebody else, the more they push back because typically they're acting the way that they're acting because of a deeper problem. Now, that doesn't mean that it's okay, but I'm, we're, we're saying this so you can understand that. So it's way harder to make our child do something because the more that we try to make them do something, the less likely they're going to want to do it on their own in the future. And the same thing with our relationships. When we force our partner to do something, the less likely they're going to want to do it in the future. Because anytime that you externally motivate somebody by giving them rewards or punishments, it's actually decreasing their internal motivation. Okay? Anytime you're externally motivating someone, it's decreasing their internal motivation. It's a big one. And we do this in business a lot too. I realized that when I was uh, listening to this, like we externally motivate people in business so much that they forget to work on their own. They forget to work when there's not a challenge or there's not a promo or there's not a, something going on, right? Because anytime you're externally motivating someone, it's decreasing the internal motivation, okay? So, this is not to say that you should give up. You should let people do what they want. You should let them take advantage of you. Their emotional regulation is not your responsibility, but it's important to understand so that you know how to like communicate your boundaries. That's why we're talking about this, okay? But remember that somebody else's emotional, like your partner's emotional regulation is not your responsibility. And when you look at things like parenting, 
you got like different styles of parenting. Definitely what most of us had or I had when I was younger was a little bit more author authoritarian, right? It was a little bit more rigid. It was like, it was more like, it was less warm, more rules, right? Whereas you have now more fluid parenting where it's like let, uh, not a lot of limitations or not a lot of expectations. And they were saying that both of these things can be harmful. When something is too chill, like when the parenting is too chill and when the parenting parenting is too like rigid, it's both of it can be har harmful. The best results when it comes to parenting, obviously I'm not a parent, but this is what, what they were saying, was high love and high boundaries. High love and high boundaries parenting. Because you have high expectations in an environment of love and support. So having high expectations in an environment of love and support. It's the same thing with your relationships. It's the same thing with your business. You want to have high expectations for your partner in an environment of love and support, not in an environment of scolding and yelling and nagging, right? You want to have an environment of high expectations for your team, not in an in a environment where it's these rules and, and it's harsh and they're getting cut off, but an environment of love and support, but high expectations. We thrive in these environments, guys. But how you're going to set these boundaries, how are we going to set these boundaries if we can't control them, if we can't tell them what to do, right? Boundaries, as I said before, about what you will do, okay? What are you going to do? And I'm going to give you guys some strategies for setting them because boundaries look different. There's more soft boundaries where you're requesting, and then there's more harsh boundaries where you're telling them what you will do as a consequence. So we'll start off soft and we'll go to the more, more um, I don't want to say harsh, uh, um, direct, more assertive boundaries, okay? <clears throat> so you can use if and then statements, okay? That's, that's an example of how you can um, set something. If you don't, then I will. If and then statements. If you don't do this, then I will do this, right? That's that's a way that, that you can set a boundaries. If you don't eat your dinner, then I won't give you dessert or I won't give you candy, right? Or I won't take you to the park. So these boundaries, boundaries are what about what we're gonna do or what we're gonna take action or not take action to in response to a situation. Every action has a consequence every single action. And people need to be aware of that consequence. And then it is up to them whether they're going to follow it or not. It's up to them. Because remember, we can't control them. So part of that process is acknowledging that everyone around us has their own agency. They have their own ability to make their own choices. And trying to force them to change is not effective. So when adults try to set boundaries, they try to convince somebody or debate with them or change them. Like, can't you see why this doesn't make sense? They're trying to debate with somebody. And all of that goes back to creating that same powerless feeling that we were talking about. But when you're setting good, healthy, assertive boundaries, you try to do it in an environment of safety and understanding. 
Because remember, their behavior is typically from underlying issues like anxiety or self-worth. So, so one thing that you can do is try to understand where their behavior is coming from, right? In this environment of safety and understanding, trying to understand where their behavior is coming from. So for example, trying to understand your kid when they're not eating, why they're not eating, or why they don't want to do something, or why they're crying, right? There was a situation that a friend told me about a few weeks ago where they, their uh, sibling, when they were younger, threw dog shit on the lawn of their neighbor, okay? Took dog shit from their dog and threw it on the neighbor's lawn. And the father obviously scolded and yelled. And, and I, I don't remember if they got beatings. I think they did get beatings for it, okay? But the parents scolded and yelled. And years later, when they were older, and, and hopefully this is not a, a trigger warning for some of you guys with, that have been through any abuse, but years later, um, they, they, found, they found out, because the daughter said it, that the neighbor was asking the daughter to see her private parts. And she was so young that she didn't know how to communicate or react that that was the only thing that she did. She felt uncomfortable and she threw dog shit on, on, on the neighbor's lawn. They were alone in some situation and he was asking to see her, her private parts for her to show her private parts. Luckily, she didn't do it and she felt very uncomfortable. But as a little child, like you don't know. And sometimes we act out in ways and we don't, you don't know the underlying reason. And obviously the father felt so guilty. The father didn't know, right? Like, like the father didn't, didn't know the reason and, and felt so guilty. But like, that's why the basis of things has to be understanding first, understanding why they're doing what they're doing. Because sometimes that alone can, can help the situation, especially with children who may not be old enough to know how to communicate, right? So um, I thought that was a really, really important example for understanding. And I know that's a little bit more extreme, and but like even when somebody's yelling or somebody's upset, we may not know why they're upset. It may, it may have nothing to do with us, right? So having an environment of understanding and safety so the person can tell you what they're feeling, expressing like, you know, what they're feeling. And then you, all you want to do is you want to express your feelings. You want to express how their behavior is affecting you. So maybe they're, they expressed, right? Like why they did something and it's still affecting you, right? As you have a right for it to affect you if it's affecting you. So you want to express that. How is it affecting you? How is their behavior affecting you? Make it about you and not them, right? So instead of saying, oh, you never do the dishes. Why do you never do the dishes? Or do the dishes or like, oh my God, you didn't do the dishes again. Express how you're feeling, how their behavior is affecting you. When you, you want to use statements that say, when you, I feel because. When you, I feel because. When you forget to do the dishes, I feel hurt because it seems like you don't care about me. Or when you forget to do the dishes, I feel overwhelmed because it seems like 
I'm left to do most of the chores, right? So you're creating exactly what Alex said, creating a safe space to communicate their feelings and make a mistake and learn how to self-regulate. It's an adult have a hard time, then of course a child will as well, exactly, right? But for both sides, when you, I feel because, okay? And the key thing is you're putting this on you. It's, isn't that so much, isn't that so much easier to understand than why don't you do the dishes? Why do you never do the dishes? Oh my God, you didn't do the dishes or being passive aggressive. Isn't it so much easier for us to absorb when you forget to do the dishes? I feel hurt because it seems like you don't care about me. Isn't that so much easier to absorb? So that's what I want you guys to realize. It will be way more effective than yelling and raising your voice and going through this power struggle. So you're focusing on how their actions are impacting me, right? Impacting me. And this is so important, guys, because when you focus on me, you are not blaming, right? You're not blaming. And that's a big thing. When somebody feels blamed, they are not going to want to do what you want them to do because it's they automatically are getting defensive. But when you focus on me, the way it makes me feel, then it's not blaming. So you're not going to want to say this in a passive aggressive tone. You're not going to want to guilt trip them. You're not going to want to, you, you're going to want to do it gently with love and do not blame because they're not responsible for your emotions. Even though you feel like they, like they don't care or you may feel hurt, they're not responsible for your emotions. Even if the action is triggering that emotion, they're not responsible. So don't blame them. You, you got to take responsibility for your own emotions at all times, but still want to communicate. So don't blame them. It's not their fault, but try to communicate like a grown up, our feelings, how we feel, because that's what's going to uh, allow like this open air of communication. And then something that you can do is you can request, okay? A soft boundary is a request. So if something is not super, like super, super like bad that they're crossing your boundary, you can make a request and ask them to take a step, ask them to respect this, ask them. And if they say no, you can't control that. You can't control that. Maybe you can, you know, cut, uh, 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 try to add more trust in the relationship to see if they will respect your request but if they say no, you, they, you can't do anything about that. But asking them, so would you be willing, to, you know, when, when you can use the same sentence, when you, I feel because, when you um, forget to do the dishes, I feel hurt because it seems like you don't care about me. Would you be willing to, to commit to doing the dishes more often? Or could you do the dishes more often? Could you do the dishes every day? Could you, like, it's a request, right? And you're asking them to respect it. One that's that, that I often have to tell my team is ask your family to respect your business decisions. Same thing, when you, I feel because. When you talk down about my business, I feel hurt. Do I have a camera in my, oh. <laughs> Oh my gosh, she's like, do you have a camera in my house, Dre? 
I'm dead. It's like you needed to hear this today, eh? But for example, um, with your family, if you guys are in network marketing or if you're anywhere, your family doesn't support you. When you talk down about my business or when you joke about my business, I feel hurt because this is something that I'm really passionate about. And it seems like you don't care about it. Would you be willing to not comment on my business? I understand you care about me. I understand you're concerned, but would you be willing to not comment on my business? I would appreciate if you could. It's a request. And they may not respect it. And if they don't, then you're going to have to go to more assertive boundaries. But you can start with that. And if you're in an environment of open communication and trust, a lot of times that will work. Right? A lot of times that will work if you communicate it in a loving manner. Because remember, why are we setting boundaries? The long-term goal is creating a relationship of influence where they want to do what you're saying, not a quick fix, a short-term solution where you're trying to force them to do what you're saying, right? You want them to want to clean the dishes or want to speak to you a certain way or want to go to bed on time or whatever, whatever it is, not you forcing them to, right? So that's the difference between long-term goal is creating this relationship where they want to do it versus short-term goal of you forcing them to do it. And if you have a firm boundary set and they're not willing to respect it and they're not willing to work on it, then you have to, you have to go on the next step. Sometimes that means cutting them off. Sometimes that means revoking access. Sometimes whatever it means, there's gonna be a consequence to their action. Your job is to communicate what the consequence is going to be. And then their job is to choose whether they want to, whether they want to participate in that consequence or not. Remember that good boundaries are just as much about what we allow into our life as what we keep out. It's both what we allow in and what we keep out. So sometimes we just have to accept a person for who they are, even if we don't like it. And then decide that maybe we're not going to spend time with them or, or they're not the right person for us. Or we're going to have to limit certain things. I'll give you guys an example. My therapist told me in dating. I spent way too much time trying to change my ex. Way too much time. Trying to change them so that they would be good for me. So that they wouldn't trigger me. So that they, I, I spent so much time trying to change them when I have to see that they're a grown ass human. They're a grown ass human. I have to see how they are and the healthiest, you're gonna have the healthiest relationships when you see how a person is and you respect how they are and you decide whether they're right, the right fit for you or not. Rather than telling them how to behave because there's, there's only so long a person can act for guys if they don't genuinely want to change it. There's gonna come a time where they're gonna get annoyed or they're gonna get like in a fight with you and then they're gonna go right back to doing what they want to do. So the healthiest thing that you can do for your relationships is see whether it's a friendship, whether it's a, a romantic relationship, see if they are the way that you want them, even business. 
I don't force people to work. I see people's work ethic and then I decide who I'm going to allocate my time to. I'm not forcing them to work. I'm not forcing them to change. It's, you see how it's the same for everything? You see that? You can't expect your boundaries to be a way to change everyone around us to our liking. That's not how it works. We don't use boundaries to change everybody around us to accommodate us so that they can be how we want them to be. You have to decide who is for you based on the way that they behave and the way that they respect your boundaries, okay? But there's gonna come a time where you have to set really assertive, firm boundaries. When the invitation to do something, when the request to do something doesn't work, you gotta set firm boundaries. And there's different ways that you can do it. I'm gonna give you guys some examples of that too. Saying no, right? Saying no. No is a boundary. Simply just saying no. No is a full sentence. People have, have a tough time with that one. People have a tough time with that one because they think that they have to have a good reason to a good reason to say no. We feel that we can't just say no. We got to have a good enough reason to reject somebody because again, back to what we're saying in the beginning, we associate no with negative things. We have to justify or explain exactly. No is a full sentence. You can say no simply because you don't feel like it. Simply because you'd rather be laying in your bed. Simply because you want to take a nap. No is a full sentence. And you have to follow it because every time you don't, you're creating dis-ease in your body. Follow your gut if you don't feel like doing something, if you don't feel like going somewhere. Right? You don't have to explain yourself. And then if it needs more than a no, sometimes you have to set a consequence within your realm of control. So you got to set a consequence to their action that they can choose to take or not to take. And the consequence has to be within your control. The consequence cannot be, you can't talk to me like that right? Because you can't control how they talk to you. So it has to be a natural and logical consequence. Natural meaning that it's an inherent result of their behavior, right? A like a, and then logical meaning that the outcome is coming directly linked to their behavior. So like, like if you don't stop talking to me like that, I'm going to key your car. That's not a logical a keying their car is not a logical consequence. You understand what I'm saying? It got to be something logical. And again, you can use if then statements. If you show up late for curfew, then I'm not going to let you use the car next time. Letting you use my car is within my realm of control. I have a choice. Those actions are within your realm of control. If you speak to me that way, if and then, if you speak to me that way, then I'm going to have to leave the room. If you, if you cannot lower your voice, 
Because again, you this is after you've already done the request. Maybe you're going to say the, re, the, the, the earlier request statements, right? When you ye yell at me or when you raise your voice, I feel hurt because it seems like you don't care about me. Could you please like not raise your voice? Or could you please speak in a lower, uh, in, in a calm manner? And if they, if they don't follow the request, then you got to go to a more assertive statement where it's an if and then statement. Okay, if you continue to speak to me this way, then I'm going to have to leave the room and we can come to this conversation at a later date. That's in your realm of control. And do you see how that's more assertive than the request? Because I don't want y'all to get stuck on the request because if they don't follow your request, you got to get more assertive because you have to protect yourself and your boundaries. Does that make sense? Drop some ones in the chat if you guys are following me. I just want to make sure you guys are following me. Okay. If you treat me this way, if you do this, then I'm probably not going to talk to you as much. And I'll give you guys an example, okay? The last time I trained on boundaries, I think I mentioned this to you guys, and this was like over a year ago probably, but I mentioned that I get severely triggered when somebody hangs up on me. I don't know what it is, guys, like something about like the hang up, I get very, very triggered about it. And that's just one thing that will set me off. Like when people hang up on me and people don't hang up on me, I'll be honest with you. Like nobody ever hangs up on me. Like I don't have that problem in any of my other relationships, except for hopefully my brother's not on this live and hopefully y'all don't tell him except for my brother. Okay. I get very triggered because he hangs up on me a lot. And months ago, like I, uh, I think it was even almost a year ago. I don't remember. Oh, you remember that call? You see, I set a boundary with him and I told him when you hang up on me, I feel, I feel hurt because I feel like you don't respect me. Right. You don't respect me. Um, and then he, he, I asked him, could you stop hanging up on me? He did it again. So I said, like I, I, I get like, I don't think you guys understand. I get livid and I don't get angry. Like if you ask my, my friends, whatever, like I don't get the angry. I don't get triggered very often. But I, when, when somebody, hang, when he hangs up on me, I get livid. I get red because like when somebody's doing something over and over and over and over again and disrespect, like crossing your boundary over and over and over again, it is very triggering, right? Because it's like, bro, like we've talked about this, literally, bro, we've talked about this so many times, like, and you still do it. So at this point, it's like, it, it's very, it's very aggravating. So I get livid. So the other day he hung up on me again, like the most uncalled for hang up, bro. Like the most uncalled for when I'm telling you, like it literally made no sense to the point where I was like, did his phone die? So I messaged him. Did you hang up on me? And then we got in a fight because he, he was very aggressive back, right? We got in a fight. So, so my boundary before, sorry, I, I kind of got carried away because you see the, the triggerness took, you see, like it took a little, you see that? But anyways, before that fight, I told him, I told him, if you continue, um, if you hang up on me again, I'm not going to be able to answer your calls anymore. If you hang up on me again, then I'm not going to answer your calls anymore. That's what I said. I said, I've told you a few times that when you hang up on me, that it makes me feel hurt because if I feel, uh, I feel disrespected and you're continuing to do it. And if you do it one more time, then I'm no longer going to answer the phone. 
And at the time, when my therapist told me to say that, I was like, how the fuck am I gonna say that? Like, it's my brother. Like, what if something happens? What if it's an, what if it's an emergency? What if he needs me? What da da da? And my, my therapist like, yeah, that's your codependency. Because what is there, what emergency could there possibly be that 911 couldn't handle, but you could handle? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. No, he's hanging up because he's angry or he's annoyed. Yeah, not because he's done the combo. No, no, no. <laughs> right? Like, no, we, he, he, he's, he, gets, he gets angry or annoyed, right? Which again, it's probably external circumstances. It's probably, I know it's not like me that I'm a bad person or I'm saying anything bad. I know it's something that's probably triggering him within the conversation or making him angry or something within himself. And I understand that, but it still triggers me. So even though I understand that even like, this is how I, I want you guys to understand how I'm processing this so that you can process this in your life. I understand that he doesn't hate me. He's not deliberately trying to be evil. He, I understand that there's something within the conversation that is triggering him. So he's hang. that's his like, that's his coping mechanism. I understand that. And I am compassionate to that. But at the end of the day, I also recognize that that action triggers me a lot and I get red and I get furious and I am not going to allow somebody else to trigger me. I'm not. I understand that maybe I could heal from that one day and I'll work towards healing from that so that I no longer get triggered when people hang up on me. But right now I am not healed from that. So right now I'm not going to allow somebody to get me out of my character over and over and over and over again. I'm not. So that's why it's a boundary for me because I know what triggers me and even though I, I, I understand, I, I'm compassionate to why that might be happening, that doesn't mean that I need to allow it to happen because it's negatively affecting me. Does that make sense? Like, are you guys following that? Right? Good, I love it. Sinead said, ah, Dre, my brain has made a new pathway in this combo. Exactly. So I had to set that boundary. So I'm no longer answering the phone. I don't know how long I'm going to be able to resist because obviously it's somebody I love, but it's very important to set firm boundaries. He's called me like five times and I just said, you know what? Just text me, text me or send me a voice note. What's up? Because I can, I can no longer put myself in a position where I'm going to get triggered. I just can't because you, you, you are not respecting my boundary. So now you have to deal with the consequence of you not respecting my boundary. Does that make sense? Like that, th that's just the consequence. I'm sorry, but I've told, I've communicated with you multiple times, but that is the current consequence. And you have to, like, we get so scared to, to, to force our, to, to like set our like uh, boundaries because we think that like the reason we get scared is because we think that the other person is not going to love us or we're going to separate or we're going to, we're going to like, um, we're going to lose connection because as humans, we thrive off of this connection. We thrive off of the love for each other. So we feel like we're going to lose a connection if we set a boundary when in reality, setting a boundary makes people know exactly where they stand with you, exactly where they stand with you. And that's why it's so important because it's letting people know exactly where they stand with you exactly what is and isn't okay right so it's very important to set strong boundaries and the biggest the biggest thing guys 
is that you're not blaming. I'm not blaming him. I know it's not his fault. I know the trigger is my own, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to continue to get triggered. Right? So I'm not blaming. I'm not going to be angry at him when I see him. I'm not going to be upset. Like, I obviously I am upset at the situation. And if we talk about that, I'm going to mention it, but I know it's not his fault. I know it's my own trigger within my own body, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to re-trigger myself and reopen the same wound over and over again. So it's very, very important for you guys to set boundaries. And I was going to give you something. I, I'm going to go five minutes over if that's okay. If you guys are okay, I would love to give you some more examples of boundaries because I feel like to really take this lesson and go in a full circle and really get like ideas of boundaries, I'm going to give you guys some examples that you can write down and then use these examples to set boundaries in your own life. Is that okay? Maybe we're going to not do the mastermind today, but we're going to uh, give you some, some examples. So let's say someone is, is, um, someone is talking over you constantly. I'm going to give you just some examples. They continue to talk over you. They continue to interrupt you. And it, it's like, you feel like you can't get a word in. So you can say something like, hey, I feel seen, heard, and acknowledged when I'm able to express my views in a conversation. Would you mind pausing and allowing me to share my thoughts? That's an example. Now, that might not be the exact same way that you say it, but take the concept and make it you. I'm going to drop them in the chat so you guys can see it. Okay? When somebody's name calling, calling you crazy or an idiot or insane or irrational, right? It makes me uncomfortable when you call me. I'd like you to stop. It makes me uncomfortable when you call me. I'd like you to stop. Okay. That is a request boundary, or that is a request boundary, right? If it continues, then you have to do the consequence boundaries. The consequence boundary is going to be, um, if you continue to call me, then I'm going to have to, or I'm going to, whatever it is, leave the conversation, no longer talk to you, uh, whatever, end this friendship, whatever. Does that make sense? And it's guys so important when you get a boundary that you stick to it. Okay. Conversation with your family. Okay. Conversations with your family or, or, or people that are like maybe infringing and asking, uh, like, like saying something negative about your family or, or your friends. It's just an example. So let's say like you're with a, a significant partner and they're talking negatively about your family. You can say something like, I feel hurt when you bash my family, when you're upset. Let's limit our conversation to me and you and the issues that are concerning just us. Does that make sense? I feel hurt when you bash my family when you're upset. Let's limit the conversation to, uh, to, um, to when we're dealing with issues just concerning about us. Okay? So when you feel like you're being attacked, right? When you're fighting, when you're in the middle of a fight with somebody and you feel like you're being attacked and you're not feeling like, you just, you just feel like overwhelmed. You can say, I'm feeling attacked and I would like to return to this discussion when things are calmer. 
another way that, that I like to say is I'm feeling really upset and I'm not sure I can properly communicate how I feel right now. So I'm going to go for a walk and come back when this conversation is calmer. Come back when I'm calmer. So again, you see how like it's all about you? Like it's all about you. They could be yelling, but you're saying, I'm feeling really upset and I'm not sure I can communicate how I feel right now. So I'm going to go for a walk and come back to this conversation when I'm calmer. They could be yelling, but you by acknowledging that you're yelling could get them to be like, wow, maybe not gonna say, it, but they're gonna be like, fuck, I'm I'm doing the same thing. Like I'm being so loud right now. But you're you're not even blaming them. You're 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 showing yourself and, and your part. And definitely if you're yelling, you gotta acknowledge your part too. Or you could say, you know, I, I can see that we're both really upset right now and I'm struggling to communicate. So I think that it'll be best for us to have a break from the conversation. We can come back to it when we're both calmer. You can also say we, right? Uh, another one I'm going to say, because I think this is important too. Sometimes you're in a conversation that came out of the blue and you don't really know how to communicate. Like you just feel uncomfortable. Like I remember I had a conversation with one of my friends and she said something to me and she's, she was, um, she was, she's a little bit manipulative. Okay. Like she's a little bit manipulative and, and she was really trying to um, make me feel guilty for something that I don't believe that I did. Okay. Based on like my memory of the situation and her memory of the situation. So I, I, at the time I felt very uncomfortable because I didn't know, like, like I, the conversation came out of nowhere. I didn't know that's what we're going to talk about. And I just felt very, like, I just felt choked up, like, because I care about people so much. And I felt choked up because I felt like I was being like manipulated, but I didn't know how to, I just didn't know how to communicate. Like, you know, like sometimes you're just caught, like drop one in the chat. If you've ever felt like that, like you just get caught off guard and you're like, I don't even like, you don't even, you can't even find the words. Like, you know, you're just like, you just feel kind of like helpless. Like you feel kind of like, you don't feel comfortable, but you don't know exactly what to say. And you just need some time to process things. It's okay to say that. Like, hey, you know what? Um, I acknowledge that you're feeling upset right now. And I'm feeling really, I, I'm not exactly sure what I'm feeling. And I would like to have some time to figure out like uh, what I'm feeling before I communicate to you about, uh, before we continue this conversation. Like, that's okay say that that's way better than you getting off the phone passively aggressively and not saying anything say hey you know what like i'm feeling really uncomfortable right now and i'm not really i just need to process some things before i can communicate further with you say it because that's going to make people understand okay they're just like overwhelmed they're feeling whatever and then they're going to come back to it later okay i'll give you like maybe one uh, one or two more somebody's showing up late all the time right always late whenever you're ready, whenever you're meeting up. I feel respected when you arrive on time. It would be kind of you to say that you're running behind schedule. It shows that you value my time. Okay. Um, the extent of sharing, maybe somebody wants you to share something that you're not currently comfortable sharing or like their curiosity may be coming from a good place, right? They may want to offer you support or help you, but like right now you just may not be in the mood to share. So you can say something like, I know you care about me, 
but I don't feel comfortable sharing my thoughts at the moment. I know you care about me, but I'm not ready to share what I'm feeling at the moment, or I'm not comfortable talking about what I'm feeling at the moment. Does that make sense? And the last one I'm gonna give you guys is when somebody is always expecting you to regulate their emotions. A lot of manipulate, manipulative people do this because like they'll, they'll set a boundary in a way where like, well, you got to do this because I'm not happy. Like it's, 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 you can't expect people to regulate your em emotions. And a lot of codependent and manipulative people do this. Yeah. We expect you to be there all the time, make them happy all the time. Right. Like all those things. So you can say, right. You can say, I love you. I care about you but it isn't practical. Sorry, one more time. I love you. I care about you, but it isn't practical for me to satisfy all of your emotional and physical needs. Are you willing to work on meeting some of your own needs? I love you, but it isn't practical for me to satisfy all of your emotional or physical needs. Are you willing to work on meeting some of your own needs? Okay. So, those are just some examples, guys. I know we stayed over 10 minutes longer, but I wanted to give you guys some real life examples so that you guys can kind of use these in your life and mold them and adapt them and, and, and really just see how to set different boundaries in your life. And understand that when you set a boundary, you have to be firm with it. The worst thing that you can do, like if you're gonna do this, don't even set a boundary. If you're gonna set a boundary and allow somebody to cross it, don't even set the boundary right? Don't even set a boundary. Because if you're going to set a boundary, like, oh, if you uh, saying that, for example, and you know, what's specifically a boundary, like, if, um, if you continue to yell, uh, I'm going to have to leave the room, or I'm going to have to end this conversation, and then they continue to yell, and then you stay in the conversation, you're not staying strict to your boundary. Or if you don't eat your dinner, then I'm not going to give you dessert, and then you still give them dessert, you're not standing strict to your boundaries. So you're teaching the person to cross your boundaries. So if you're not ready, if you're not strong enough to, to hold up on your boundary, then don't set it yet. Just don't set it yet. Because then you're teaching the person to cross your boundaries. That makes sense? Okay? So be very, very firm on your boundaries. Set them. Protect yourself. Again, do uh, use all the tips and tricks that, we, that I taught you in today's call. Um, and I want to see you guys setting your boundaries because you are valuable. Your emotions are important and it's important for you to protect yourself. No one else is going to do it. You got to protect yourself and, and, and your emotions and how you're feeling. So I hope this helps you guys set some better boundaries. Drop some ones in the chat if you got a lot of value out of today's call. Because of time, I'm not going to go and do the mastermind. But if you're listening on the Wake Up With W Fab podcast, we appreciate you so much. We hope you're getting a lot of value from today's call. Um, and we love you so, so, so much.